Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All I ever wanted was a Hello, and welcome to True Romance. This is Devin Leary, and I'm here with... Carolina Barlow. Dev, how is your week going? This week, I'm good. I socialized twice this weekend, meaning did social distanced outdoor hangs with friends. I have learned that... I have completely reverted to being 13 years old in terms of my socialization skills. When the person talks to me, it takes me so long to formulate the correct response that I just don't say anything and then they move on to the next sentence. It's tough. And I was second guessing everything I said. I really think that we're all going to be struggling with this as we slowly integrate back into society in the next year or so. I know for me, I have general panic around socializing with people. I've gotten used to Zoom. I'm excited to see people on Zoom for business meetings, etc. But I have always been kind of a homebody, and this has just made me retreat even more into my shell. So I don't know. I, I really, I really need to get used to hanging out with people and meeting people and. Because I do love being social, but yeah, this has taken me back to a state that I haven't really been in since I was like 19, where I'm very socially uncomfortable. And I, again, I think that I'm proud of myself 
for taking social distancing so seriously. And I'm proud of people like you who are doing that as well, because I think that we are really working and doing our best to flatten the curve. I think some people are working against us. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking, of course, of people who go to Trump rallies. Mm -hmm. But I really do think that there are going to be social consequences and you know, I would love to watch a movie a la How Stella Got Her Groove Back, but it's really about coming out of the pandemic and learning how to be a functioning social person again. Mm -hmm. I would love to go to some listeners topics. We've been getting yet again some amazing questions, questions that I haven't even known how to respond to. And so I've literally thought in the dark of night, staring at my bright phone light, I need to get to my best friend Devin about these. This one comes from Bonita. Beautiful. Hi, Carolina and Devin. I love your podcast. Thank you. Thanks. My question is, do you think it is possible to be in love and have a great long-term relationship if it didn't start with all the gushy, fluttery, oxytocin, obsessed feelings in the beginning? I've been with my significant other for seven months now, this time around, and we dated for six months about three years ago. He is perfect in every way, makes me laugh constantly, treats me better than anyone, and I feel like I am in love with him, but it didn't start with those gushy feelings I have had in the past. At first, I thought maybe it's because he makes me feel so secure. Good point. But my last long-term relationship, he made me feel secure, and I had those amazing drug-like feelings the whole time. The rest of my long-term relationships were with assholes, so yeah, I felt a drug-like rush when they did give me attention. Mm -hmm. I also realized with my current guy that I don't get obsessed thinking about our future. I feel warm when I think about him in the future, but I'm not doing any of that fantasizing about a wedding or moving in, etc. I have only known love to be intense and full of obsession, so this whole thing is weird. Wonder what you guys think about it. Devin, what do you think about this? So I think that it's, first of all, a very relatable thing. I think it's a really subjective case-by-case thing because I I think chemistry and connection is so specific to each relationship. I don't think it's like a unanimous blanket thing of this is the kind of chemistry you should have, this is the kind of chemistry you shouldn't have. And I do have friends who are with people who are their soulmates. They have great functioning partnerships or relationships who have told me that they didn't necessarily have like butterflies and gushy like, you know, fireworks feelings, but that it was more of just like a slow connection that turned out to be great and reliable. So I think that's definitely possible. I also really relate to the idea of being in a secure relationship after being in toxic kind of turbulent ones and thinking if someone seems like safe is that all that matters or should I hold out for something that seems really special the relationship I'm in now the person I'm with makes me feel completely supported and secure and safe and all the things that people talk about that you need for like a functioning healthy relationship that I've never I didn't even believe were possible before but I did also have the oxytocin butterfly highs with him and I still have them and I'm still obsessed with him in both healthy and unhealthy ways. So I think that like having a secure partnership that like is healthy and serves both people and 
all the good things, it's possible to have that and have like the passion, excitement, fire and all that stuff. But again, I think it's like specific to to each situation. And it sounds like this is the person you're with now is someone you've known for a really long time that could factor into it. The things you describe about him are really important things like that. He makes you laugh and feel, feel secure and warm. Those things are really hard to find. So I think it's a question of if something really in your gut feels like it's missing because someone can be perfect and check all the boxes and not be the right person for you. So I think that probably comes in the form of like a gut feeling of like something is actually missing. And I think that everyone has to unfortunately ask themselves that question, which is one of the biggest challenges of relationships in my experience is that I've always been like, can someone just tell me like, (laughs) is this the person forever or is this the person that like, or should we break up? Like, should we be together? Should we not? Like, can someone just say, like, but that's tell your me. gut too, and and I know what you mean it takes a, it takes a lot of introspection, and I think I can I can confuse my gut with fear. So I'm yes. like I have this instinct, and it's sad. We need to break up right now, and I think that whenever I have a feeling that's like that out of urgency, I really need to sit with it. You know, I really love the feeling of being calm in relationships. So this actually sounds like an ideal scenario to me personally. I also have loved having the experience of falling in love and but I can sometimes come to relationships in a little bit of an you can call it unromantic approach where I'm looking for a partner you know so I'm looking for someone I can rely on I'm looking for someone who I enjoy spending time with who adds to my life you know those obsessive feelings if I want a long-term relationship aren't going to last all the time now that being said Physical attraction is really important in a relationship. So if it gets to that physical level where, you know, and I this isn't said in insult to your partner, but if you feel like repulsed by the idea of hooking up with him, yeah, that's a serious thing to investigate. You kind of have to sort out what, like you said, is this my response? Is this my response to healthy behavior? Am I sort of bored by someone who's not putting me in the instinct of fear? And then... To just be fully aware if you want to break up, why you're breaking up, you know, because if it's just because I want to feel butterflies, like, yeah, that's dating definitely gives you that. Or I want a better deal. You know, you're totally allowed to do that whenever you want. But it's just something to keep in mind is what am I feeling? Am I am I afraid of do I want to be single again? Do I want to find someone who I get that oxytocin high with? And at the same time, knowing that what you're describing is rare. Unfortunately, sometimes the only answer is like time takes time and more will be revealed. Mm -hmm. So if it's supposed to work out, there's nothing you can do wrong. And if it's not supposed to work out, there's nothing you can do right. And so I would say stick with it um, unless it's an actual arduous trial. But when I got your email, my first instinct is this girl sounds happy. And um, there's no need to tear that down until you're absolutely sure. So that's what you want to do. We have to get to our next question. This is from Jane. Carolina and Devin, I've been thinking about my sex drive with my significant other and notice it's gone way down from where it was last time in general. However, I stopped drinking in January and used to be a daily slash heavy drinker. 
So my other question is, did you notice in yourself or others that when you stopped drinking, your sex drive went down for a time? Short answer, absolutely. <laughs> I um, stopped drinking when I was about 20 years old. I, I think my dad is smart enough to stop listening um, to my podcast. But if you are dad, you can Mom, tune out dad, right now. Other parents of friends or loved Catch ones. Catch you next time. Adult in general, please tune out. This one's for the kids. <laughs> Adults that we know, please tune out. Bye. The first few times I slept with someone sober, obviously I had slept with people sober before because I was in relationships and I wasn't, you know, drunk every time we hooked up. But... I always thought that like I was kind of bohemian and wild in my high school years. And then when I got sober, I realized that like uh, being sober and physically vulnerable is extremely nerve wracking. Being just fully conscious all the time is kind of wild in itself. And I'm just much more of a prude than I gave myself credit for. Not a complete one, obviously, but it was just very strange is the word I'll use. I felt really nervous and I definitely wasn't free of any inhibition, which had been my um, experience when I was drinking or drunk or sort of, you know, carelessly forward or anything like that. That all sort of went by the wayside. So, you know, like we were talking about before socializing, I also didn't even know how to like fully talk to people. I didn't know how to get comfortable with people because when you're literally 20 years old, everything's surrounded by drinking too. So I, I couldn't really like settle into myself as much as other people could. And that included with a partner. So it took me a really long time. I don't even think about it anymore, if that helps at all. In fact, the idea of having like of hooking up with someone drunk makes me repulsed. And that being said, I remember how much fun being drunk was. So kudos to anyone who's able to still do that. I have no judgment. But for me personally, I wasn't enjoying drinking and that's why I eventually stopped. So the idea of like drinking again or hooking up with a stranger drunk just really doesn't appeal to me. Um, Devin, what do you think? Um, I think that I have a, had a very specific experience that... I think many people also had, but I didn't even learn how to enjoy sex or understand like my own pleasure until a couple of years after getting sober. And prior to that was completely um, like kind of disconnected from my own body, if that makes sense. It just was like something that I felt like I was participating in, but it wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing like I was like okay either everyone's lying because this is not good <laughs> or like something's wrong with me and so probably something's wrong with me which I then internalized and was like okay in the movies they like make out and then they like start having sex and they like love it and why do I feel nothing <laughs> like why do I feel like nothing like Besides, like, a little bit of excitement that, like, this person's into me and I'm into them. Like, that's all I feel. So I just was really confused when I got sober and I was, like, you know, felt really immature and really, like, I didn't fit in and something was wrong with me. Again, same thing over and over again. But because I got sober 
I was able to become like in touch with my body and present with what was actually happening to me. And I actually learned how to like come out of that. Like I started asking for help and talking to people about it, even though the first times I talked about not ever having an orgasm before, I literally wanted to run in front of a car. Like I was like, okay, I remember actually you're like, I hate this. I hate talking about this. My skin is on fire actually, as we speak melting. So I can't go on with this conversation. Like someone would be like, have you ever tried sex toys? And I'd be like, no, you would just hang up on them. It was like a hard process, but I was like, what else am I going to do? Like, I'm finally for the first time witnessing my own life. I think that's really interesting, though. And it's something that we can talk about in another podcast, probably and should. But that women are such people pleasers and we're so protective of the male ego that it feels crazy to be like, okay, I need to do something different because this isn't enjoyable for me right now. Yeah, it was so hard to like break down all those years learned things of like, if I don't serve to like make you feel good, you will reject me. Then I right. have no worth or whatever. And like, who cares about how I feel in the, during this process? Like, it's really not about me. Long story short is now, again, my skin is burning even as I'm saying this. And I'm like, I hope my parents cannot hear this, but I bet they can't. Now I love sex so much and I, it's my favorite feeling on earth. And now I can't imagine. Ooh, what about birthday cake with the birthday cake flavor? Even better than that. This is a conundrum. <laughs> I thought you, I saw you think about it. But I just want to say that now I can't imagine like numbing that experience. Like, yeah, I can't imagine being like, I'm going to be like a little bit fucked up during this because I would want to like witness every second of it. So that is my hopeful mes message at the end is that like now I feel like I've I've gone through this process and it's like one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I love being able to like experience every second of it. I do have to say too, just because Devin and I are two Amish girls who don't drink doesn't mean that we don't know how much fun it is to go through that sort of wild phase. And even if you're, you know, how long that phase lasts, I know for me, it did not work. I know for Devin, it did not work. And at the same time, though, the idea that I was like some fallen woman or that people were judging me when I was, you know, someone who drank and hooked up with guys a lot made it even worse. So I definitely don't want to ascribe any judgment to people who are enjoying that time of their life right now. We have to take a quick break before we get into our amazing guest interview. So we'll be right back. Earth shattering. I want you. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. 
if you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome back. Today on True Romance, we are absolutely freaking out. As Brittany Cartwright would say, (laughs) as Brittany Cartwright would say, we are on the brim of freaking out because (laughs) I live on the brim. I live right on the brim. We are living on the brim of freaking out because our guest today is the hilarious, brilliant, iconic writer, comedian, content creator, the host of one of my personal favorite podcasts. Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, um, which is a comedic pop culture podcast that's available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And he co-authored the best-selling book, Fancy AF Cocktails, with some Vanderpump Rules stars that we all know and love. His work has also been featured on Cosmo, Us Weekly, Billboard, BuzzFeed, and Refinery29, among other things. And you know he has appeared on the Mecca Watch What Happens Live Jennifer Garner famously said he cracks her up, and Catherine McPhee famously said that he is iconic. Please welcome to the show, Danny Pellegrino. Wow, that intro! That intro. I was reading my bio. I felt so blush. Uh, I'm blushing right now. I feel. I'm we so happy to be here. We literally quoted two of our friends, Jennifer Garner and Catherine McPhee. I my voice cracked at the end because that was so long. I was like, Danny Pellegrino. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, both of those the both of those quotes I have on my website, and I also have a quote from Nikki Blonsky from the movie yes. Hairspray that says, and the quote is, "Who's that?" Because she was scheduled. <laughs> 
she was scheduled on my show and then had forgotten that she was scheduled on my show. And so when I called for our scheduled time, she just was like so confused as to who was calling. It was a journey. It was a journey. But anyway, the point is, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you both so much for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so excited. I can't even tell you what a big deal this was. So you guys are Bravo fans. I am a Bravo fanatic. So is my mom. I'm quarantined with my mom right now. And when I told her that you were coming on the podcast, I've never seen her more proud. Like she like dropped her fork and was like, what? What? When? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. What are you going to ask? And it was so like fulfill, uh, like a fulfilling dream moment for what's me. What's your mom's name? Anne Leary. Anne. Hi, Anne. I hope she's listening. My mom doesn't listen to my podcast. So I'm just I'm honored for you that your mom listens because she <laughs> Linda Pellegrino cannot be bothered by my show. That's so funny. She still gets so confused as to who I'm like the Bravo people. She doesn't know any of them because she doesn't watch. And so she's always confused when I'm trying to explain someone like Teresa Giudice to her or something <laughs> like. Yeah, my mom is well versed. My dad will literally post on social media about other podcasts. Like, he'll be like, oh, I checked out this really cool podcast. I was like, are you? Like, I literally released a new episode today. Meanwhile, our producer, Will Farrell, every week is like, hey, guys, great episode. I'm like, wait, you are our most loyal listener. Like, how is that possible that you get our episodes before our parents do? Uh, I yeah. love that. By the way, though, Will Farrell is just the funniest human in the world. Like, he is so hysterically funny. He's one of the few straight men that really like makes me laugh like you mm -hmm. <laughs> I think like he's genuinely one of the only funny straight men um <laughs> in my eyes I totally agree I always tell people that he is everything you want him to be in person like I don't I don't know how to encapsulate how amazing he is as a human being so I just I I want people to know that he is everything you want him to be like he's everything you hope for him to be because there's always that you know that saying like don't meet your heroes and mm -hmm. if anything, when you meet him, you're like, wait, are you doing a bit that you're so nice? Like, are you being sarcastic? But he's just really so nice. But um, <laughs> that makes me yeah, so I happy. I just feel relieved to know, you know, you want your heroes to be good people. And so it's nice to know when like someone like Will Ferrell is genuinely a nice human. I know it reminds me of Devin, who is the Bravo star who invited you and your mom to an event? Oh, God. So please tell me. Oh, my God. This is some drama that I think you will like, Danny, because you are a ghostwriter, correct? Right. So this is very niche ghostwriting drama. But basically, my mom, she is friends with a prolific ghostwriter who shall remain anonymous. And her friend was asked to ghostwrite Aviva Drescher's book, but said no. But because oh she was asked, obviously confirmed this question that was a huge part of the season's drama that season, which was, did Aviva have a ghostwriter? So my mom was like, okay, so I'm getting some intel here. Um, I love that. So I know. So then, then somehow, like, my mom knows someone that knows Carol Radswell. My mom's an author, so it's like someone, someone in the literary world. Um, put them in touch and Carol asked if she could talk to my mom and I will or will not actually I will not say 
if she was calling about the ghostwriting scandal, but she wanted to talk to my mom about something. So she did. They had a conversation. I can't say it was my mom confirming the drama about Aviva or not. But but, I, but we're reading between the lines here. Yeah, you we're can re- read between the lines. <laughs> you you can just take a, a quick look between the lines. Ugh, um, I was so fascinated by all that ghostwriting drama from The Real Houses of New York that season. It was so compelling and... Yeah, just so fascinating. What was Aviva's book name? It was like One Legged Woman or something. It was. It had one legged in the title. I'm well, not it, just being funny. That was like in the title. I think it was also like it was funny because Carol is actually for all her flaws. Because I did end up being Team Bethany after the events that occurred, which I'll tell you about in a second. But it was funny because she is at actually an established journalist and author, and Aviva was like. Yeah, like she got a book deal because she's a real housewife and she was trying to compare it, whatever. It was Um, very frustrating. I felt bad for Carol, too, in that moment, because also it's like there's there's so many people that are a book goes through. And yes, so it's like the um, even Carol had an editor that she was talking about. And Aviva was saying the editor was the ghostwriter, but it's like an editor will edit your book and they do help you kind of shape the book, but they're not writing the book. It was very clear that was Carol's book. And so I would have been livid uh, just as she was if somebody who said that I had a ghostwriter and I didn't. I know. I imagine I would too. But yeah, so basically, long story short, Carol said on the phone kind of casually like, oh, you and your daughter should come to the premiere of this season of Real Housewives of New York. And my mom was like, Okay, yeah, we'd be interested. <laughs> For sure. But then apparently Carol sent this like save the date email kind of, but it wasn't a formal RSVP, but my mom took it to be a formal like invite RSVP, but we actually never received the formal invite, but we chose to be in denial about that and show up at the Real Housewives of New York <laughs> premiere party. I spent all day telling everyone I know obviously that I was going We get there, we get to the door, and the bouncer is very confused as to our presence and asks us to please leave because we were not on the list. (laughs) But we did get to see Sonia roll up, wasted, glowing, looking amazing, with like a posse of 15 fabulous people and like roll into the party, which I loved. So I guess it was worth it in the end. (laughs) You know, I feel like you got the better experience anyway, because the fun happens with the women just sort of rolling up into the venue and maybe the the drama that happens leading up to the venue. Um, But the actual event, you probably didn't miss anything. It was probably very basic, but um, you got the good stuff because I'm sure Sonia Morgan, I can only imagine how many vodka sodas deep she was or whatever she was drinking (laughs) that day. (laughs) I know. She looked like she was having a good time. And it was sort of like on The Real Houses of Atlanta when... Um, I don't know if it, I think it was season one when Kim and Nini showed up to Sheree's house and Sheree didn't have Nini on the list. So yes. it was basically the same thing. Never forget that Never. when Kim is like hanging out of the side of the SUV and she's like, <laughs> what do you mean? That's so good. <laughs> I miss, you know, like I don't watch Kim's uh, Kim's Zolciak spinoff, um, but I yeah. miss just like season one Kim with the cigarette in the hand. Yes. And her and Nini going about town. Like there was no better duo than those early Nini Kim scenes. I totally agree. By the way, our producer just chatted us that Aviva Drescher's <laughs> memoir was called Leggy Blonde, a memoir, because she's I, missing one leg. 
I would like to <laughs> I would like to apologize that I I thought the title was One Legged Woman. I would just like to formally apologize, but it did have leggy in the title, so I feel like I was in the ballpark. <laughs> this makes me think of the Lindsay Lohan movie I Know Who Killed Me, where she plays a yes. stripper with one leg. Yes. And I just I always whenever I think of that, I think of like her agent being like, Lindsay, we've got a really it's a really dark role. You the mean girls days are over, Linz. We want you this yeah, is like you want gone. the Oscar, you want the Golden Globe. This is a gritty role. You're a stripper with yeah. one leg. And she's like, Yeah, I will take on the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys watch the comeback with Lisa Kudrow? I Parts watched of it, yes. some of the first okay. season, but I, I shamefully never continued, which I know I have to. Well, first of all, how dare you both? I know. Um, but second <laughs> of all, there's this moment in the first season, because I was just rewatching one of the episodes, and there's this moment where the character of Valerie Cherish, played by Lisa Kudrow, she's like a uh, sort of a washed-up actress. Mm-hmm. And she there's a throwaway line where she talks about, she's like, remember when I did that Hallmark movie about the woman with the headaches? And it just makes me laugh. <laughs> It's like so stupid, the but, woman but it with like the headaches. It like cracks me up. The Hallmark movie with the about the woman with the headaches is just so funny. I love it. We wanted to ask about your gateway to like what was your gateway reality TV show? Oh gosh, well I watched all the early stuff of like the Real World. I remember getting really obsessed with the Real World around circa Same. Hawaii. Do you remember okay. like the the Hawaii season? I feel like that. I was- remember that one was really really gnarly. When like alcoholism was involved and the crew chased a girl who's driving drunk. And yeah, I, I remember parts of that one. Yeah, that one was a little bit more wild. And then even more wild was the Las Vegas season, which Las came Vegas. sort of. Las like, Vegas. Sh- remember that one? That Pregnancy. One started yeah. with a threesome. Started with In a the threesome. hot tub. Yeah. Oh, that was Trish. good. I saw- remember Trish? Trishel. Trishel. Yeah, Trishel. Trishel and I sometimes DM online. <laughs> <gasps> so much how's she doing i think she's good she's got a nice husband she i forget she lives in i forget now i'm blanking but she's very sweet and yeah she's very sweet i love like social media has given me those moments of all of a sudden a person will come to me out of thin air whether it be like someone i knew in third grade whose name i suddenly remember or a trishel or carmen electra you know and i'll be like i need to know right now what's going (laughs) on Carolina, I was literally like in this wormhole the other day of Daisy Fuentes's uh, Instagram, yes. and I that was like this a similar thing where I was like I didn't even remember this human existed, and then I spent like twenty minutes just like looking at her whole Instagram thing, and I was like I I totally forgot this name. And when I find it, I'm relieved. I'm like, oh, there you are. <laughs> like they haven't passed. Yeah. Or they haven't become a Trump supporter. That's the two questions. There's a lot of like the Disney Channel stars I'll look up and then I'll be like, you know what? I wish I didn't go here. Right. I wish I still had them in my memory as a different person. Devin, what was your gateway? Oh, to reality TV? Yeah. Um, Marijuana? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually just down this, this wormhole of the first reality show I ever watched, which was Bug Juice on Disney Channel. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. It was a reality show about kids at camp. Oh, yes, I do remember this. Yeah. I loved any sort of camp stuff when I was a kid, and I remember yes. just that show on Disney Channel was amazing. Okay, did you watch on MTV the Fat Camp reality show? Of course. Wait. So good. 
No, wait, what? what is this? It was True was Life, this... I'm Going to Fat Camp. No, 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 it wasn't that. This was a very specific, like, following six or seven kids going to a camp for weight loss. Was this back in the day or, like, recent? It was early 2000s. It wasn't a vintage thing. Our producer is telling us that it's called Fat Camp 2006. Oh, great. You know, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back into the archives and find that on the dark web somewhere because I would like to read that or or watch that. Um, yeah. I was a camp junkie and I was overweight as a child. So I I was, yes, I would love to. That sounds right up my alley is what I'm saying. Whoever I talked to, if they didn't have a weight issue as a child, I just can't relate to them. Like, I'm like, we grew up in different worlds. Like, if you felt okay getting into a swimsuit, then you don't understand me. I don't even think you're funny. Like, I don't trust you. Right. I know. No, there's definite definite trust issues. Have you guys watched that Pen15 show? I know I'm like... Yes. Just... No, I love those girls. It's so good, right? There's an episode, I think it might be for in the season that's like about to premiere where they there's a pool party and there's a kid wearing a, a t-shirt. And I'm like, that, I, that was me. Like, I couldn't go to a pool party without wearing a t-shirt the whole time. Yeah. And I thought about, like, we had beach day at my school and I thought about beach day for months in advance. Like, Aww. I was like, okay, Beach Day comes in, like, two months. I've got to start working out. I've got to get, like, my training on. Yeah. It didn't happen. <laughs> and I would be you looking get for, your like, training a perfect on. sarong. I'd be like, okay, what am I going to wear <laughs> sarong? on Beach Day? Oh, my God. Growing something. up in L.A. was so unique. Uh, I literally sewed myself something one Beach Day. Wait, that, like, where are you from? Hard. Where did well, you I, grow up? I grew up in New York and then L.A., so kind of both coasts what about you right um i was ohio so oh wow we you know we had a couple of nice months in the middle of the year and then otherwise it was just miserable cold yeah um yeah so it didn't even matter it was like i i remember even as a kid thinking like i don't need to you know lose weight or or feel comfortable in my body Mm -hmm. because i'll just throw on this big puffy jacket a starter or those starter jackets with the big ass pocket yep I would wear like men's shirts and try to go for that like <laughs> 90s like baggy like whatever I don't care. In reality, I'm just like does it cover my thighs? <laughs> it's like no, I couldn't care more. I wanted to ask what made you decide to start your podcast Everything Iconic? You know, I um I'd been performing and doing stuff around town. I had some career setbacks and some mental health stuff going on. I kind of fell into this deep depression. And I remember saying, like, I'm never going to get on stage again. I was like, I'm not. I was doing improv and sketch comedy at the time. And I just sort of had a, a I guess, a really a mental break. And I was like, I'm not going to do it again. I'm just going to focus on writing. And then as I sort of came out of that, a friend was like, you know, you should start a podcast because you can really perform from your living room or your bedroom or whatever. You don't have to even leave the house. And so that was appealing to me. And so that was really kind of like the where the idea started and and I never thought anyone would even give a shit or listen. And then um, it sort of snowballed from there. And, uh, but it, yeah, I, I think it was just the fear of getting on an actual stage. Uh, and then- Also, I can only imagine the exhaustion. Like performing yeah. is so exhausting. The, the, I did the improv scene for a, a few years in New York and it's a little, <laughs> it takes a lot out of you and it's humbling. Oh yeah. There'd be more people on stage than- in the audience oftentimes you know it's like it's like why are there why are there 10 of us on stage and three people in the audience (laughs) (laughs) the short period i did stand up i'd be performing like a bar that had three people in it 
And I'd be like, I mean, it, it didn't go well, but it also couldn't have gone well. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I did the stand-up show. Like, uh, it was on a, a lineup called She's Funny with a Z. And it was all lesbian comedians. And I'm a gay man. And, and I support and love the lesbian community. But it was a lineup of literally 15 lesbian comedians and then me. <laughs> like, so... So I don't even know why they put me on it. It was like a mistake, I think, or something. And so by the time I was like literally the last to go. So like the entire audience had just seen 15 comedians. So by that time, literally anyone's dead. Like no one wants to see any comedy after 15 people. Not to mention the fact that it was just, they were like, what's this man doing on the show? It's supposed to be an all-female lineup. Did he storm stage? Yeah. (laughs) Then I come on and I'm like ready for my She's Funny uh, five-minute set. And so <laughs> I just remember people in the audience with, like, their arms crossed, like, so pissed, not interested in hearing any of my stupid dick jokes. <laughs> I am no, picturing I- when Luann, this season on Real Housewives of New York, put on a charity stand-up comedy thing, and it was, like, all these real comedians and then her ex-boyfriend Jacques, who's, like, a middle-aged <laughs> Oh my God. What was that about, Devin? Like, what was going on? Like, why was Jocks doing a stand up routine? Like, that was so bizarre. My mom, like, has PTSD from, she, like, worked at stand up bars in Boston when she was young. So she kind of was having a, a, PTSD moment where she was like, oh, no, no, they're doing comedy. No. Okay. No. This is so awkward. No. (laughs) And I was like, why is this happening? Also, by the way, I feel like, we as a Bravo community of watchers, we move past stuff like that so quickly, <laughs> like, which is disgusting. It's like, when you really think about it, it's like so screwed up the fact that we all were like, oh yeah, Jocks is performing stand-up comedy at this <laughs> charity event for bullying or something. And it, it was like, we all talked about it for like maybe 10 seconds and then we're, we were on to the next thing, but it's like, that's crazy. It was so crazy. And also the fact that they were all talking through the performances, like all the women were just loudly and were just like, oh, we love them. Next thing. Okay. Um, Sonia was just in the audience yelling like, you did fuck the pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, another crazy thing that we're all just, we move past so quickly because we're so conditioned watching this crazy (laughs) television that it's like, oh yeah, one of the cast members cheated on her fiance with the pirate. Yes. It looked like Johnny Depp, yes. And when you really sit down, like I take notes when I watch these episodes, and sometimes I look at the notes, I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, (laughs) what was going on there? Like, how did this happen? How is this television entertainment? Like, it's all so bizarre. And that's why why I think we all like love it so much because it's just, it's a cartoon at a certain point. A thousand percent. It totally is. And- who was the first Bravo celebrity you were able to interview on your podcast? And what was that experience like? Oh, a Margaret from New Jersey. She was <gasps> the very first one. And I'm always so grateful to her because no one was coming on my show at that point. And she, yeah. it was her, it was her first season on housewives and she, yeah, came on and she was lovely. And then she was, I also got to have her on my, I did a live show at the BravoCon last year and she was one of the guests. And so I'm just grateful to her for being so um, willing to do that. I love her and am a huge fan of hers. I feel like she really brought the Jersey franchise back to life in a way that it needed to be brought back to life because it kind of was like the same kind of sad storylines for a long time, like some really dark family drama 
ice deportation. <laughs> so not that that's funny, but it just was like, we need a little more. We need something else. Yeah. And more, more balance. She's more yes. balanced too. Like they had trouble finding someone to join that cast because it's so Teresa heavy. And so, yeah. Um, Teresa's family heavy. And so I think Margaret did a great job. Also, she just really surprised me because at BravoCon, I wasn't feeling well. And she just kept like checking in on me and seeing how I was Aww, feeling. Cute. Like, like really going out of her way and being like, do you need anything? Like, and I just always remember that too, because, you know, not everyone's like that. So going off of that, I wanted to ask you about that experience of like blending the worlds kind of because... I feel like what you do such a good job of and the reason why more Bravo celebrities and Netflix celebrities and regular celebrities are coming on your show is because I feel like it's so clear that you love these characters so much. And like, even though we talk about the caricatures and the drama and how crazy it is, we all really love them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and right. we all like right. um, like I have the experience a lot of if I am talking about it with my mom, that's one thing. And we can say, you know, that we think Lisa Rinna is annoying. But then if an outsider says that we kind of defend her like right. she's a sibling, kind of <laughs> like we're like, OK, wait, no, she actually works really hard. Yeah, um, she's a hustler. OK, <laughs> she hustles hustler. and she's the first one to be open about that. <laughs> she's I got a big lips and iconic hair or whatever. She's yeah. <laughs> I Watch that- Lisa Rinna. I just love how she's always like, you guys, let's be open. Okay. Own We've got to open up. Own it. Yeah. Own it. I had this moment with Candy Burris, actually. Like, there was a season where I, I didn't really, like, love her on the show on Atlanta Housewives. And then she was doing Celebrity Big Brother. And I was, mm-hmm. like, sitting down to watch Celebrity Big Brother. And my boyfriend's like, I, what are you watching this for? I was like, Candy's on it. And he's like, I thought you didn't like Candy. I was like, how dare you? I was so- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I will support all of her ventures. He's like, yeah. well, you were just telling me how you think she needs to leave the show. And I was like, I never said that. I was, I just denied it. But now I, I now she's like my favorite. Me. Yeah. Now she's my favorite again. But yeah. It's hard because you're like, okay, you don't know what this person has been through since season one. So don't even try to go there. We have to throw to an ad break very quickly. And we'll be okay. right back with Danny Pellegrino. I want you. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Danny Pellegrino on True Romance, and we're discussing the beautiful universe. I don't even want to say world. I'll say the Bravo universe. The cinematic universe of the Bravo Housewives. <laughs> Just like the Marvel <laughs> universe and the DC universe, we have the yeah. Bravo universe. It is. I, I love these I love these women, though. And Devin, you were talking about like kind of the mix of we hate them one minute and then we like them the next. And, yes. and I do, on my podcast, I always try to come at it from a positive perspective. And, and I think we can all be like shady and have fun. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like I love these shows and I love watching them and I, I want to celebrate them. And so I, and I also always try to play by the rule of I'm much harder on the men than the women, because I feel like women in, in any industry, but particularly in the entertainment industry, it's like they, the standards that they have to live by are just insane standards. And so like, I don't feel bad if I'm, if I'm talking about the way one of the men on the show looks or something like that. But I do try to, when it comes to the women, it's like, I want to celebrate the women on the show. And and it mm -hmm. is a great, it's a great franchise for showing us like vibrant women who are working and sexual and, and all of these yes. things that we have trouble even seeing on scripted TV. A thousand yes. percent. So, so I think it's good to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Devin was just talking to me about Real Housewives of New York. And I mean, you can speak more to it, Devin, but how amazing it is to see just single older women now who are open about going through menopause and who are mm -hmm. just like living their lives. And I do think that adds to this feeling of comfort when you're watching it that you know these women. Yeah. Yeah. I think on, on Bitch Sesh, they talk about it a lot. Casey and Danielle, the hosts who are also uh, like writers and performers, talk about how there really aren't roles for women like that, like in TV and movies, like such a complicated. I mean, you couldn't write a Luann because it just would be like 
on right. every step of the way, like this is actually insane and wouldn't be a real person, but it is. But or you'll just... be like, this is too good. Like this is like this was too nuanced. Right. <laughs> too nuanced. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I the, think who's the girl who writes a pop song with her da- daughter and then performs it? <laughs> Crazy. Wait. Oh my god, I forgot that she yeah, performed she... that song with her daughter. Girl code. It was called <laughs> girl code. And look, another instance where we all just accepted it as something that happens in this world that we're all in. It just went into my brain and became normal and I forgot about it until now. Yeah. Do you remember when do you remember when Danielle Staub from New Jersey did like a lesbian ballad on on the late night talk show? And it's like, what other late night talk show is having this woman <laughs> this woman do a very sensual ballad with her then partner? Yes. Um, on the piano and who by the way was not a singer. Right. <laughs> just happened. It you're not going to see that on Jimmy Kimmel. No, and you're not going to see that literally anywhere and you're not going to see yes, like this this a trip of women who are 80% in men- menopause going to Cancun and getting fucked up and and looking for prowling for men on the beach. Like you're you're just not going to see that in tv yeah but it's very rare it's rare yeah. Yeah. i wanted to ask you speaking of like i'm definitely much harder on the men and i completely agree and we wanted to talk to you about bethany ever after oh yeah which oh, we do i could talk about this for days get sit comfortable sit tight <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited by your like celebration of it because i rewatched it last year and the reason i rewatched it was because my coworker adrian she rewatched it and she said like she wasn't sure she said she felt like jason's insanity didn't really show through so i kind of was like okay i'm gonna have to take a look at this myself um <laughs> and i kind of had the opposite experience but i'm so happy that you're bringing it back to the forefront well i feel like it's important because i look this is not a popular thing, but I was really Team Carol when it came down to Team Bethany and and Carol, and that got me a lot of heat. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I love Bethany. Like I, I right. think I worship her, and I think she's one of the greatest reality stars of our time. Um, and when it came to Bethany's show, it's so interesting to watch because first of all, you feel you see the whole dissolution of a marriage, like it, from yes, the yes. start to the end. By that last episode, they despise each other with yes. every ounce of their being and there's like moments throughout the middle of it where you really see it come through there's there's things with the parents that come through and yes. and the way they just they come from different worlds and uh and bethany had said i don't remember if this was even on the show or if this was in press but i remember her i'm like closing my eyes to concentrate here I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> let me go back know, you're really channeling the, the history I know. I was like, wait, I got to concentrate. Let me close my eyes. What was I saying? No, I lost my train of thought. You remember oh. seeing her in press or in... Yeah, she said, she said that she would always look like the bad guy because this wasn't the life that Jason signed up for. And when you really look at, through, look at the show through that lens, you could see that like they're trying to make him come across as this perfect guy. Yes. And then the moments where he's not come through, and I think we could see the kind of person that he was when the cameras were off, and in that very last season, there's so many times where Bethany says, like, I'm the bad guy all the time. And what yeah. there's what she's saying is, like, I'm the bad guy in, to the public and the cameras roll and you're turning into this gem. But as soon as they go off, uh, you're being this uh, asshole to me when they're off. Right. And so I think that you could see that coming through. It was so heartbreaking when I 
every time she said something like that, when she was like, I'm a good person, I'm getting blamed for this. And mm-hmm. it was very Jessica Simpson with Nick Lachey when Jessica's like, I'm a good person. And yeah, and I think that. By the way, same producers on oh. Newlyweds. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Newlyweds That's and- a great fact. I thought it was so when they have that conversation on vacation, when Jason is basically being like, I'm 40 years old and I don't know what I'm doing and I feel insecure and he's blaming her for it. And she Mm -hmm. was like, well, I don't think I'm responsible for that. And he's like, well, I've never felt this way before. And it was so, I was like, oh, so many straight men project all of their insecurities onto the woman they're with. Yeah. Especially since she was so successful. And when they're like redecorating their house and how he like yells at the designers being like, this is unacceptable. And you're just like, wait, who do you think you are? Like, yeah, it is so crazy. There's lots of good business stuff there, too. And and you also see someone uh, come from very little. Like we've gotten to see Bethany's whole arc. And by the end of that show, she's uber successful. And I think there's very few uh, programs in like the history of TV where we've been able to literally follow someone's journey from like a one bedroom apartment or whatever it was that she lived in early New York Mm -hmm. to the end of that series where she's, you know, seemingly has it all. But then as a viewer, we're looking at and being like, do you don't really have it all because this man is a monster. You know, the money didn't make you guys happy. And, And so there's all these things to that series that I think are so fascinating. Yeah, I I remember the scene where she just found out she got the talk show and they just did this big reveal in the finale, the series finale. They just did this big reveal where they went into the new apartment for the first time and they showed this huge, beautiful place and she designed it and they're kind of in awe. And then the next morning they have this scene where one of the producers from her talk show calls and she kind of crumples onto the floor and like just stares vacantly. And I thought that was so heartbreaking because it did feel like there was so much strife in their home. A lot that we probably weren't seeing, but it it was interesting to rewatch it because the first time I, I watched it, I didn't have a lot of relationship experience like at all. So I remember thinking like, he is like a really nice guy. Like she is like, she's difficult. And I also remember thinking, like, am I like that? Am I too difficult? Like, may, like he doesn't like that. I should take note of that. Like, like whatever. I was just really immature at the time. And then when I rewatched it, I had a completely starkly different experience where I was like, this guy is Burger from Sex and the City. He is insecure. His ego, as you said on on your podcast, like the male ego is so so fragile. I thought that was really interesting, especially the gender thing of like. She he called her damaged at one point and like difficult. He's so mean to her. Yeah, yeah. I'd be so fascinated. I, I really feel like Bethany Ever After is almost a sister series to Newlyweds with Nick and Jessica. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. it just came, I think, like 10 years after Newlyweds had ended. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was like, I don't remember what year Bethany Ever After was. But, you know, I think views were changing even at that time in terms of like yes. the male-female dynamic. And so now where we're at, looking back on that show um we're seeing it a little more clearly if, if that makes sense yes. and maybe maybe we did when we watched it back then because i thought the same thing i remember watching them when it first came out thinking oh these two love each other that's like a, a good real relationship and now mm-hmm. i just see like all the the kind of 
a mental manipulation that was going on yes. and both sides too, by the way, like, I don't think she's a uh, perfect, of course, but, mm-hmm. um, but mostly from his side. Yeah. <laughs> he was manipulating, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, speaking of men, we had to ask, I just finished Beverly Hills season 11. Oh God. What do you think of Denise Richards husband? Big Dick Aaron. <laughs> wow, Big Dick Aaron is a, a character for the ages. I mean, yes, I don't like. Truly, I don't. I I do stand firmly on Team Denise, but I do have trouble with Aaron, the Big Dick Aaron of it all because really he's hard. just there's like a weird energy to him. I don't oh. understand him. He's someone. I feel like I have a. I'm a good judge of character, right? When I'm watching these shows, and he's someone who one of the few people who I look at. I'm like, I don't understand the way his mind is working, and that makes <laughs> yes. me uneasy. And so. I, I don't I don't know what's going on up there. So that makes me feel uncomfortable. But um, I do love Denise. And I hope that I, I just want only good things for her. I just love her. Me too. Me yeah. too. It's so funny. I was texting Devin about it because I was like, I literally just prayed for Denise Richards because I'm so worried about her. And I really don't think this relationship is good. And I had the same thing where I'm like, immediately from the start, I was like, no, no, not this guy, not this yes. guy. And I told Devin later, I was like, okay, he is scam. He's like, has a cancer scam. Like he is scamming people and saying that he can like heal cancer with energy tools or whatever. And Devin was like, okay, the scary thing is this is like the third cancer scam on the like real housewives world. You are so right. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that, but yes. It's, it's- the third cancer scam. And the second cancer scam that was like brought into the world by a shady boyfriend of one of the housewives. Which it's, is stunning. There is some something going on there that I I don't even think we'll know unless hopefully Denise comes back for another season. I feel like we'll understand more, but I don't know if she will. I don't know. I, I don't think know they'll if she get divorced. Either. I think they'll get divorced. I yeah. think it's gonna. He's too erratic. The night that he's at the dinner party and he's talking about how like something about splitting atoms and how. He's like, forget everything you know about cancer. It's all wrong. And then... By the way, that whole dinner, I just loved everyone's faces. They were like, what the fuck is going on? I know. You could really feel like, imagine yourself there. Like the the one person at the dinner party who says like the slightly off thing and then everyone just can't get back to being present and eating because it's like, wait, what did he just say about 5G or whatever? Mauricio was so stunned. I know. Oh my God. Mauricio is always stoned. <laughs> He's my favorite husband, though, obviously. Do you believe Brandy that her and Denise hooked up? Yes, I do believe Brandy. I don't like the way it was handled all around, like even from a production standpoint. Like I was very frustrated because in my eyes, it felt like most of the cast, they didn't want to get in the mix as the cast of Beverly Hills never wants to get in the mix. Yes. And so they always focus on one thing so that they have their storyline for the season and they can all just kind of skate on by and only one person has to be like the central focus. And yes. so that's frustrating to me that that they made the central focus that. And and I do understand like Brandy wanting to get back on this TV show, right? Because she hasn't done... Uh, she's a single mother. She hasn't done a reality TV show in a, a little while. She's done basically all there is to do. How many other reality mm-hmm. TV shows are there for her to do? Mm-hmm. So I don't think like work-wise, yes, she could go get like a nine to five job, but this right. is the career that she's in now, whether, you know, she's she's found herself in this career for 10 years. So I don't know where else she'd go in terms of the reality TV landscape. So I'm thinking she must she must realize that and think I have to get back on the show. I need a good paycheck. She did see an in and I felt like 
the producers, the cast, that they all took that little nugget. And I think they took advantage of both Denise and Brandy. I think they were both, I think they were both kind of like the um, collateral damage on that. And, and Denise too, like the, the real moment of clarity that I had was when they were on their trip and they were all yelling at Denise about the Brandy situation. And Denise was tears in her eyes. And she said, no, it didn't happen. And it reminded me, like, there was this time when I was 19, and I told this story in my podcast, like, I I had been, I, I some people saw me hooking up with a guy, and they had, like, confronted us about it at, like, a group breakfast. And I remember oh, I was like, no, I was like, no, that didn't happen, because I wasn't even out to anyone at that time. Right. And I was so, right. ash- I was so ashamed, I didn't even, I wasn't even out to myself at that time, let alone mm-hmm. anyone else. Like, I didn't, wouldn't even admit it to myself that I was gay. And so that's the mo- that's what I saw in Denise's eyes. And I and when it happened to me, I remember my best friend was he moved along the conversation and we it, we dropped it really quick. Um, but with the housewives, it was like they just kept on like trying to drag it out. Yeah. And if they were real friends, they would have like tried to sidestep it. They would have been like, let's talk about it this another time. Maybe she'll feel more comfortable about another time. They should have told her in advance. I know we're on a reality show and the whole point is to make, you know, a spectacle and everything like that. But that just bothered me because I just felt like I understood the feeling that she was feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Being suddenly exposed and having such a private part of your life open. I totally agree. And I definitely saw the fear and I almost felt the panic of her scrambling and to the point where I, when when she was like, you know what? No, Brandy told me she had sex with one of you. And I was like, Denise, don't do it. Like, right. just yeah. pedal back. But. And we all wanted her to just say, stop it. Like, enough. Right. And, you know, yeah. we wanted her to say, who the fuck cares? Move on. Right. But she was uncomfortable because she didn't. She was totally blindsided by yeah. that. And so I felt bad. I, felt I bad just too. was shocked that not as you're saying, like, they're clearly not real friends i was shocked that not a single person besides garcelle who who clearly was you know came in as her friend and stayed her friend but i was shocked that not a single one of them stepped in and said this is getting into a territory where it's kind of upsetting and we should stop like do what sonia did on scary island and say like okay we actually have to stop this now because it's getting into something she's not well yeah it shouldn't be and you know i have many problems with teddy but if your whole brand is accountability, life coach, like all in, show up for your life, do the right thing, how are you stoking this fire of gossip about something that could be really harmful to someone's life and not step in and say like, wait, why are we all talking about this? This is weird, actually. Like, why at my baby shower are we talking about whether these two women had sex? I thought Teddy could have gone to that dinner and she could have been relentless about the things that she heard Denise said about them. I would have understood that. It was the the sex part of it where I'm like, you know, Teddy, that's something just very so personal. It, it, it literally was outing someone. And it was like, yeah, yes, if you true. are going to bring it up on camera, if you are going to bring that up for the TV show, at least like do it separately, not in front of the whole group dinner. And and I, maybe that's sounding hypocritical of me because no. ordinarily I'm always like, you know, they need to talk about this stuff. They're on a reality yeah. show. But that just felt too personal to me. That it also feeds thing, the narrative yeah. that like lesbian or gay sex is shocking inherently. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like when everyone was like, oh, what? And it was yeah. like, wait, yes, like it's crazy that two friends hooked up that you didn't know about. But being like these girls that are like clutching your pearls talking right. about it feeds the narrative of like, oh, my God. 
My favorite reaction is Erica Jane, who's just like <laughs> she never <laughs> has completely deadpan. The other thing I just want to mention too, though, with like Brandy, it it uh, pisses me off too because it's like she was the whole storyline and she didn't get paid as a main cast member yeah, at all. Right, it's true. And it's like they used her as they have in the past to like to spark a storyline. And it's like the main cast members should be the main storyline. Like they're getting paid as main cast. Brandy's certainly getting paid for the show, but yeah, she's right. not getting paid. At, there's main cast members. There's full or uh, part time cast members. And then there's people uh, who come in for an episode or two, which is what Brandy did. And so, right. you know, it it's frustrates me that she became the storyline for the season and then they weren't even going to pay her. Properly. I really want to see footage of her and Kim hanging out. Like, that's a show that onto itself. Well, that's the thing is that I was going to say the the show has not been the same since Kim and Brandy left the show. Like it, that's when it was entertaining. And as soon as they left, it kind of became like, OK, these ladies are really rich and that's entertaining. And some of their lives are interesting. But I'm not like bait, like waiting on bated breath every week like I am for a Potomac or an Atlanta or a New York or a Dallas, although kind of RIP because it took such a terrible know, racist turn. But I actually have to ask you one question that my mom asked me to ask you. So I have to ask it. But she wanted to know what you thought about how weird it is that Kim from Beverly Hills was treated like her alcoholism was such a focus and such a like, can you believe her behavior? And everyone's obsessing about it, talking about it. Whereas we feel like if she was on New York it would just be like, this is how they act. They're all like this. Um, right. So we thought it was interesting and wanted to know what you thought about that, the way her alcoholism was treated. I mean, that's so interesting. I never thought about it, but you know, in, I never thought of it like that. It's it's intriguing. I, I think New York in general, they handle things in just a completely different way. And it goes back to sort of what we were saying about Beverly Hills, where they focus on one thing. It almost becomes like easier for the women to hide their own truths by just go attacking whoever's nearest to them about mm -hmm. their thing. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like for a while it was all about Kim's alcoholism. And that was just a way that we didn't have to talk about everyone else's shit right. going on. And it, it is, it is gross. And even Kim's, Kim's sobriety issues were used as a storyline even after she was gone as well. Right. Yeah. And it's just a little, it's a little weird. I think like, Make the storylines about the main cast. I don't know. I keep going back to that. No, I totally no, agree. No, I completely agree. What partnerships do you admire on the Bravo shows? Oh, like in terms of relationships, right? Like, um, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I do you guys watch Potomac? Yes, but I'm not caught up. I've only watched one episode of the new season. I'm it's really amazing. I love Potomac, but I am so fascinated by Karen and Ray's dynamic. They're kind of going yes. through some troubles right now, and I'm like. Just I'm on the edge of my seat seeing what happens. I'm not saying they're good or bad, but I'm I'm hopeful that they'll get through this rocky time because right. <laughs> it's like yeah. we all we love all these people, right? Um I'm trying to think of like, okay, so let's go through some of the New York uh the New York women, most of them are single right now. Mm -hmm, I think which are I they, love. they're all single right now, actually. Yeah. Um, except for Tinsley. I'm very happy for Tinsley actually about getting out of the mix. Like yes. I don't know how good Scott is for her, but I right. do feel great that she has just moved on she seems confident in her decision to move to chicago start this life with this man and i feel good about it especially because she didn't need that like she didn't need right. to be hounded by dorinda for all season i know so i'm happy for her 
Uh, and then what other franchise? New Jersey. I do think Teresa's maybe dating someone new and I'm hopeful that she's just finding a hot new man. Like that's what I want for Teresa. Totally. <laughs> I just want her to be with like a hot, that pool, hot pool guy or something. It was so interesting last season on on Jersey, the the conversation about like traditional Italian relationships and how Teresa was kind of like fed up with Joe's misogynist behavior. No offense to Joe, but a lot of the women were talking about that. Dolores, too, about like how they're kind of expected to be in the kitchen and doing everything and and like getting talked to in a way that's not always respectful. I thought that was interesting that they were all kind of like having a like waking up to the patriarchy moment and i think they've been radicalized yeah they're still slowly being it's very slow on new jersey the radicalization like i think that's a very interesting point like it's happening but it's even at the end of last season we were just sort of seeing those ideas come into dolores and Teresa's head and i hope to keep seeing more of it i mean that happens on all of the franchises but it's like new jersey it just happens slowly but talk about also an arc of a woman like just seeing Teresa from the beginning like there hasn't in scripted tv there's not an arc like that nothing it's like, crazy. like that yeah. yeah I actually saw Teresa one time at Mohegan Sun she was doing a reading and I looked down at her from a balcony because that's as close as I could get and she looked beautiful um anyway so what are <laughs> like some that. of your least favorite partnerships and relationships on the Bravo franchises that you think are toxic or or were toxic if they're no longer a thing. You know, Shane and Emily on Orange County, I don't like that whole dynamic. Like, dark. He's an asshole. Yes. <laughs> so right. dark. Terrifying. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, and she's someone who I would like to see get radicalized more. You know, like I would like to, yeah. I don't know. I think we'll see that maybe at some point. Um, and then on Potomac, I don't like a- Ashley and Michael. This most recent week on Potomac, Michael who's been in like scandal after scandal and she just had his baby. <laughs> yeah. And literally he still, he talks to her horrifically. And I'm thinking like, you've put this woman through so much. First of all, she stood by your side through like you doing the most horrific things. Yes. And she had your baby and she's taking care of the baby and you're still speaking to her that way. Like it just made, I was like livid. At, I forget even what he said. Oh, they were going on like a cast trip and he's like, don't forget the baby. Like you, you need to be with the baby. And he was like guilting her saying like she could not leave to go on a girl's trip without the baby because, you know, she has a responsibility and she was like, yeah, I'm taking it. But she, he just kept hounding her. Yeah. And I, I was just like, really, dude, like the way after what you've done with her, I yes. it just disgusted me. So I'd say those like stick out to me as like just being really horrific. Yeah. To jump back to good relationships, I have to give a shout out to Tom and Erica Jane Erica Jane's mm, 80 year old yeah. husband who Love. I didn't know was the like Albert Finney's character in Aaron Brockovich like he was the lawyer who sued those huge oil companies mm-hmm. but I truly believe he has like healed her because she had a dark past and she does love him so much and I love that he stays out of the fray like he's literally just there for Erica right. and that she seems to just care about him so much like when Dorit and PK, who have that's a whole other issue where I think that there's like a dark scam going on. I have yeah. a theory that they're just borrowing money from different people and she spends so much money on outfits and parties to make it look mm-hmm. like their finances are okay. But when PK like doesn't is is basically trying to get 
become friends again with LVP and Dory and LVP is like, I'm not going to be friends with your wife. And Erica Jane's like, if someone like had a problem with Tom, then they would have a problem with me and I would show up at their house. And I was like, yes. that's the kind of loyalty like the I'm loyalty. looking for in this life. Yeah. Right. You know, I also think Harry Hamlin's very loyal to Lisa Renna. Like he yes. just like she does. A, she does a lot. <laughs> like she yes. always does a lot. And he just that is exactly what you can say about Lisa. He does. She does a lot. And admittedly, I think she would uh, she would say that. And he just loves and supports the person that she is. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ken and Ken and Lisa also have that where like it seems like even if she clearly is doing something wrong or she gets caught in like a thing where she did. I don't want to say wrong, but like. When she gets caught in a lie or something, Ken will defend her no matter what with like blind loyalty um, and scream at Kyle and and <laughs> and run away from her. Which goodbye, I, Kyle. Yeah, goodbye, Kyle, um, which I kind of I mean, I hope that my boyfriend, Matt, would do that for me. Um, yeah, I hope- you always you always want your significant other to like defend you to the death and until you get behind closed doors and then be like, you know, that was fucked up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like. Why did you I, do that? Speaking yeah. of which, does your boyfriend watch Bravo with you? Uh, you know, not really. He's gotten into Below Deck with me, and so we'll watch that together. Oh, and we are binging Top Chef during this whole pandemic. Okay. We, we started, like, from early seasons of Top Chef, and we watched that together. But he doesn't watch Housewives. He doesn't watch any of that stuff. But we love Top Chef right now. It's funny because my brother used to watch Top Chef um when we were younger and i remember always thinking how crazy it was that we were both watching something on the same network and could not just like two different islands in an ocean I, there was nothing from his that i could mm-hmm. relate to or understand and there was nothing from mine that he could relate to and understand um i had always heard I, it was a good show but i just never watched it and then uh finally during this pandemic we started with season 4 and we've just been like going through the seasons at like a disgusting pace like mm-hmm. just so fast we're like finishing the seasons in like two days yeah <laughs> when you stop watching tv and you're like seasick from like just being in the real world without yeah. a screen and let me tell you something there's a million spinoffs of that show it's like there's we're trying to decide which spinoffs we should be watching and trying to fit those seasons in between seasons of the main one i mean that's it's a very confusing journey because there's like a master's version, a kid's version, just desserts. There's like a whole thing. Just desserts. <laughs> just desserts was my fave. There's only two seasons of just desserts, but yeah, it's like, where does this all fit in? And then it's like a fucking puzzle because you're like, well, I, they'll have contestants from one as judges in another. So you can't like jump ahead too much or else it'll be spoiled. Yeah. But he likes that. He doesn't like the housewives or the, he used to watch Vanderpump rules and then he fell off like so many. Yeah, I think Vanderpump Rules is a good couple show, but mainly because it makes you feel so much better about the couple you're in because you're like, well, we're not pouring drinks on each other's heads and we're not cheating on each other in an old lady's house while she's there. Right. He also watches all those TLC shows, though. Like, so he he like likes the trash TV, but for some reason, I don't know what it is, maybe because I'm talking about Bravo all day. He's like not interested, but he'll sit and watch like four hours of that Darcy and whatever Oh, Darcy show, and Stacey. <laughs> yeah. I watch uh, a little so bit. So will too. I. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like, I'll go in his office or his, uh, or the living room when he's watching it. And I'm just like, I'll get caught up in that. Like there was yeah. just this past week, she, Darcy, I think was on the phone in the bathtub and, 
it just looked like she was about to drop the phone in the tub. And I just kept imagining her. I know the iPhones are waterproof, but I just kept imagining like her getting electrocuted, trying to look sexy right. in that tub. Yeah, I know. She is truly, she is an icon that we did not deserve. And she actually grew up close to me in Connecticut, which is stunning. Oh my God. I interviewed her twice and both times were very wild. Yeah, she's, Yeah. It's hard. It's hard with the the TLC characters. It's actually slightly more challenging to to continue loving and and defending what they do. I think. Right. <laughs> um, but I do love them. But yeah, I I have been obsessed with Married at First Sight recently, which is a whole new ball game. But the other night I was going to turn it on, and my boyfriend Matt said, "I just like don't really want to watch people's." sad lives right now (laughs) and i was like okay no they're not sad they just got married and no they're strangers but they're getting to know each other okay um do you have a dating show that you like that's like your preferred dating show i liked love is blind a lot i thought that was good um i i think that's coming back soon you know i'm very interested in the netflix reality shows because i feel like they haven't quite found their footing but some of their Mm -hmm. stuff is really good i am interested in love is blind moved at such a rapid pace which i found so fascinating because if that show had aired on bravo or tlc the relationships would have been spread out over three or four seasons but like netflix somehow edited their relationships down to eight episodes or something Mm -hmm. and so it was like i was watching and like what is this show like i was so like amazed by it because i just thought it was so different so yeah i'd say that's the first thing that's coming to mind i'm sure i watched some others i loved vanessa lachey's emotional hosting like she was so committed you saw her be like okay i got a fucking gig like i'm gonna give it all i got I, I swear, that. I thought they were added in post because those two were just... It they made were no barely, sense. They, it made no sense. They were barely in it. They just sort of pop in. And I was like literally watching episodes being like, is she in the same scene as those other people? Like, I feel like they yeah. added them. Different outfits, different everything. Yeah, I think also that um, Nick Lachey buys his Twitter followers because my boyfriend is well-versed in Twitter and he... um. He found some interesting evidence as to that, but not that that matters. I'm just. I believe you know, it. I'm anti. It matters. It matters. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell you how much your social media presence means to us. So much. Oh, and you. to those. So much love. archived. All my art. My archive page is just your memes uh, over, <laughs> over and over. The again. funny thing is, too, you know how you always like now with the language of Instagram, you always DM like whatever you think is funny. But when yeah. it's your post, I already know everyone I love has seen it and liked it already that I, I can't even send it. I'm like, okay, my sister already liked this. Devin already liked this. Like, <laughs> And your use of the nanny theme song over different celebrities dancing. My, notably, my favorite is Scarlett Johansson da- dancing from uh, the marriage story to the nanny theme song is one of my favorite clips of all time. <laughs> Mainly because I don't know if you are, but I'm a deep, like, I love Fran Drescher so much. The yeah. Nanny, I truly believe, not ironically, is a great TV show. 100%. I remember when I started rewatching in college and I was like, wait, this is so well written. She is a star. She makes it look effortless. Her and stunning outfits, fashions. Yeah, oh the my fashion. God. Yeah. She's yeah. dressed like a Barbie, like a Mattel Barbie, like from the 80s. It's, <laughs> also, it's brilliant. Also, that, that theme song literally goes with anything. And it's just, I think, the best theme song of our, our time. Like, it's just a beautiful, like, it makes me instantly happy hearing that. 
Aww. Well, and you also song. had it with Renee Zellweger dancing after she won the Oscar. And the funny <laughs> thing is, is that that Oscar speech is one of the worst Oscar speeches of yeah. all time. And like she Wild. was out to lunch, like she was in outer space. And so when she's <laughs> dancing to that song, I'm like, this easily could be reality for how insane she was. Yeah. Like, I can totally see her doing that. She thanked everyone. She's like, Venus, Serena Williams, Fre- <laughs> Frida Kahlo, Mr. Rogers. It was like she was just naming every fucking celebrity that came to her mind. I was like, what do you just, uh, I felt like she was on an IMDb and she was just reading like the names. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was wild. <laughs> but I love that movie, by the way. Oh my God. I was obsessed with Judy, that movie. Oh my God. That's interesting. I found it very boring. How dare you? How dare you, by the way? I have to say, and don't get me wrong. I love Judy Garland. I think her history is fascinating. I would watch a movie about her as a child because I think that's really interesting and if you watch old Judy Garland movies her pupils are like dinner plates like she is on something the entire time she is so like rigidly high I love the dramatics just of Renee Zellweger's performance like she always had a cigarette in the hand taking pills like I it was just such a wonderfully campy thing it's true. Yeah. We wanted to ask if it was okay for us to read one of your Jessica Thursday, hashtag Jessica Thursday posts uh-huh. dramatically aloud on our pod because it's something that we exchange with each other every week and look forward to so much. Well, I'm not going to leave. Certainly, I have to see this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dramatic Instagram reading from Danny Pellegrino's account on his weekly Jessica Thursday. Happy hashtag Jessica Thursday. A few weeks ago, I spotlighted a photo shoot for Crown Queen Jess's dessert cosmetic line. What I didn't show you was the lead up. In this dimly lit cinema verite style scene from season two of MTV's Newlyweds 2004, Papa Joe Simpson, (laughs) sorry, Papa Joe Simpson booked a respected photographer to showcase the goods, but Jessica had a problem with him. According to Miss Simpson, she, in quotes, couldn't be sexy for her line of now defunct cupcake flavored lotions in front of a man missing a finger. Queen Tina seemingly sided with her daughter while then husband Nick did his best to stick up for the thumbless photographer. Unfortunately, Jessica had made up her mind. Papa Joe, meanwhile, appeared disgusted with everyone in the scene and would later become a photographer himself, <laughs> shooting shirtless young men for Instagram as well as hashtag pump rules cast members, all the while utilizing both of his thumbs. Jessica and Nick filed for divorce the following year. (laughs) There's so many levels. There's so many levels. There was a lot going on in that one. I'm like, was I stoned when I wrote that one? (laughs) No, it's so brilliant. It's so important. (laughs) Everything you listed was so vital to to remember and to never forget. You have some traditions with the Jessica post. One is that you bleep out Nick Lachey's name with the stars as if it's a swear word. Love, love. The other is we've actually referenced in this podcast before. You call him Joe takes pictures of men now, Simpson. <laughs> he does. And then he does. Follow, it's not he wrong. Does. It's true. I follow him on Instagram. That's all he's posting. It's oh a lot. God. It's a lot. What does he say? He said in that one clip when he's like, for girls, it's like the tits. And for guys, it's like the big, put your big yeah, dick out. He was out. telling like the guys that he was photographing, they're like, put their dick out. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's hard though you have normal to, photography I mean, stuff I feel for him and that he's like finally embracing his sexuality out of years of like internal shame and projecting shame and he's probably just like <gasps> like gasping for air you know i yeah. told so you're referencing a scene where he appeared on vanderpump rules and i've tried to get tom to like 
it, get him on the show again. I keep telling mm-hmm. him, I'm like, just have him, just come, have him fun for a scene, like photograph you and Tom again. Like we need it. Yes. Right. That was so stunning when those worlds collided. Like I was just watching an episode of Vanderpump thinking this is a Tom and Tom scene. It's probably going to be like very fun, but not necessarily drama, just kind of a filler, fun, charming. And then I just (laughs) my my world, the the walls of my house collapsed into dust (laughs) around me. Well, they all like. There's this uh, weird circle of reality TV where it's like yes. even we talked about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's like Mauricio was on Newlyweds at one point. And <gasps> really? He was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like Nick's real. He was their realtor, and he was <gasps> uh, wow. went on. He went on vacation with like Nick and the gang, like in an episode. And then even Tom Sandoval was on The Hills back in the day. So yeah. like, there's this. It's a weird pool of people. I don't know. It's very fascinating to me that like everyone seems to appear. Or I mentioned like the producer of. Newlyweds, like the executive producer of right. that, was the EP of uh, Bethany Ever After and Roni. He produced wow. Roni, like Scary Island, those early seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scary Island was really my introduction to the Bravo world, and it's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. So good. Perfect. Perfect. Mainly because of when the tote bags are delivered. And she's yes. just like, no, no, no. With that like black hair. Bethany with that black hair. <laughs> she does it's so good. It's so good. I mean, they've given us so much. I appreciate yeah. that dramatic reading, though. That was delightful. Oh, oh we gosh. appreciate your content so much. So You are an amazing writer, an amazing performer. You give us so much light in these dark times. And yes. I really do mean that. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to plug anything before we? Yeah. Everyone can listen to my podcast, Everything Iconic on Spotify, iTunes, all over the place. And then on social media, I'm at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want a good cocktail book, pick up Mm -hmm. Fancy AF Cocktails. There's like over 80 drink recipes in there. Uh, I wrote it with two of the people from Vanderpump Rules. And there's like lots of good drinks in there. And we're all stuck at home. So like make some fun cocktails. Yes. And the Everything Iconic merch is also amazing. I want to put a plug out there for that you guys are the best thank you so much for having me thank Um, you for being here and that was danny pellegrino folks i have to say that after recording that interview i um forgot to upload my audio onto uh, our true romance dropbox account when our editor katie made me aware of that fact for a second i thought i'd lost it I was sincerely worried about my friendship with Devin. I know, you know, Danny Pellegrino is important to both of us, but for Devin, he's been, I would say, uh, uh, sort of like a saint you could wear around your necklace, sort of a mentor, mm. oh, if you will. I would live for a rosary with an engraved metal picture of Danny Pellegrino on it. And he was so sensitive and so thoughtful, and um, I really appreciated that about him. He is a wonderful voice of our generation. And when Carolina's was looking for her audio, my friendship with her did flash before my eyes from the moment I met her in her little sundress, Urban Outfitter sundress in the Lower East Side of Manhattan to when we started our podcast, it all flashed before my eyes. I thought, listen, this this woman, she's changed my life. And it's all about to be over with. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was scary. I was scared. I thought out of all the guests to audio to lose, I can't believe I'm going to lose Danny Pellegrino's. As I told Carolina, I would have forgiven her if she lost the audio. I just never would have forgotten it. 
You never would have. And any time that I did something that might have upset you, I know it would be piled on top of. And also, you forgot the Danny Pellegrino audio, and you know how I feel about that. Yep. So listen. Seven. Keep, tra- <laughs> keep track of your recordings. And I'm going to go out on my Real Housewives tagline that my friend Jesse wrote for me, which was, I may write comedy, but I live for the drama. My name is Carolina. And everyone wants to see the North and South. Oh! Great. Thank you for tuning into True Romance. If you want to reach us, you can always find us at True Romance Pod on Instagram, or you can always email us any questions at truromancepod at gmail.com. We're on email. Devin, I love you. Love ya. Catch you next time, folks. Bye. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance, it's true. True romance, it's so romantic. Love me, baby, don't leave me hanging. I want true. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.